0: You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 network.
1: You're listening to episode 306 and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. Back by popular demand, I'm joined by Brian Mariani today. His episode number 287 was the most listened to episode of last year. If you have yet to listen to it, pause and listen to that one first. As a reminder, Brian Mariani is the founder of Mirror Placement, a Ruby on Rails-focused recruiting firm based in Boston, Massachusetts. Since 2006, Brian has been connecting Rails engineers with Rails startups across the country. He thoroughly enjoys being part of the Rails community and helps foster the growth, camaraderie, and mentorship the community is known for. Welcome back to the show, Brian. It's great to be back. Thank you so much for having me once again. So I have to start the episode off with your reaction. Brian, how does it feel to be the guest on the most popular episode of 2019?
0: Well, you know what's funny is since we last spoke, I've I've kind of secretly been clicking the play button on that episode about 50 times a day to kind of beef up my stats. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, I, totally humbled by that actually. I, I was really floored that uh, I, I sort of won the prize for most listened to. and that really meant a lot. And uh frankly, it was really heartwarming to hear from so many engineers after that first episode. A lot of people did reach out and to this day are still reaching out from that episode, you know, back, I believe it was October, correct? November, October, right around there. So yeah, thank you so much for, you know, the ability to, to hop on here. And, you know, I know that uh, yeah, as I've kind of said before, recruiters aren't always the, the you know atop the list for uh, you know developers in terms of people they want to hear from. But I was really sort of uh, blessed by hearing from so many folks, and, and fortunate that so many would uh, want to listen in. So thank you.
1: Well, the feedback that I got was the genuine honesty that you had. And so, of course, that causes me to invite you back on to ask you more questions. So the reason I brought you back on is I'd love to step through what it's like both being a new client of yours that's signing up for Mirror and the experience as a developer does as well. So let's go ahead and start with the client.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I'm, I'm excited to do this because it's one thing to kind of talk about recruiting, but to take actually look under the hood and hear a little bit more about what goes on. You know from a, a client perspective and, and even a developer perspective um it is pretty interesting you know some of the stuff I, I think might not kind of shine through as rocket science uh, you know and, and some of it might um you know might be a little eye-opening but yeah we, we can certainly hop in and from a client perspective you know once, once i get that first call or introduction or whatnot and you know a company says hey we've got our funding we're ready to go we'd love to sign up with mirror and, and sort of all the terms are agreed to um we we hop right in and you know one thing i'll say i guess before i, I totally jump in is that um one aspect to the business that i've found is, is sort of uh stands the test of time is the human interaction piece uh, there, there's so many you know job matching uh sites out there and, and different apps that you know you can quickly throw in your resume the ai will take care of the rest and and i'm not downplaying those because they, they're great sort of conversation starters and maybe can open your eyes to certain companies that sort of thing but there is sort of that human element i've learned since 2006 of recruiting that is, is still to me seems irreplaceable and uh, you know th- and i'll start with the client side of that um we'll talk about how that uh how that works into developer side too but um it's like anything else i, I, I do feel like um you know what you get out of something. Is you know reflective of what you put into it, and you know the way we like to start with any client is you know they tell us like I said they've got their funding they're ready to go. We want to get to know them, so we we sit down will you know typically over the phone, but you know we can do video conference whatnot as well. Um, we want to know everything about the company, so you know we're going to ask about their funding situation, the company size, you know how many engineers they have, uh, do they allow remote? Not allow remote. Um, all the aspects that developers are really going to want to learn. And then we really dive into the product or their service. Like, we want to know all about it and and what the value is and how we can best relay that to an engineer that could be interested. Um, So we really take a deep dive with the client. And that starts with myself. It also starts with my colleague, Jonathan. Between the two of us, uh, we ask all the necessary questions. And, you know, some of those get technical. You know, we're going to really want to dive in and, here, what's under the hood in their tech stack. Um, we're, we're gonna sort of dive into what the ideal traits of a developer would be at their organization that could differ slightly to another. Um, and and they can really differ culturally sometimes. You know, Some companies might be a little more all business than others, um, so it depends. But we're gonna dive into all the softer side of, of things as well, You know, especially culturally at a company to make sure that uh, someone's a good culture fit we're going to find out, you know, in terms of developer process, you know, are they a strict TDD shop, uh, you know, where they're writing their tests first, literally? Are they, you know, a, a company that really values pairing or not? You know, they take a, like a dogmatic approach or a pragmatic approach to some of these principles. We've, we're going to sort of uncover every stone to ask all the questions necessary because at the end, what we really want to do is convey the truth to the engineers, and and that's the big thing. You know, I. I I think a lot of times when we have the client calls um, you know, we're, we're getting all the info we need because we want to make sure every single aspect of that role is uh, obvious to the engineer, there are no surprises to them, so they can get really excited about it you know, when, they, when they hear about it and, and not have to worry about something switching at the end or, or whatnot. So we go through that discovery process with the client, uh, once that's done, that's when the the magic happens you know we kind of dive in and start reaching out to the engineers when we get um, replies and responses to say yeah that that looks interesting um, we will send the engineer to the client but not in any sort of haphazard way again it's a thorough approach so uh, every developer that i will submit will have a really comprehensive write-up like it could be three, five paragraphs, something along those lines with the resume, with code samples, with a lot of their public uh, entities online, LinkedIn, et cetera, GitHub, you name it. It's, a, it's very comprehensive. And our clients really like that. We've kind of heard over and over from them how they appreciate the fact we're not just throwing a resume at them um, you know, in batches or anything like that. It's, it's one-on-one, uh, it's very thorough And they get a really good picture for the engineer right out of the gate um and and i think because of that our batting average has been very high thankfully um it's i would imagine it's well into the 90 percentile of you know if we send someone over they you know there's an interview that happens next so um that's what we do on the client side and then every step of the way we are there and some clients like us to be very involved throughout from the helping them book every interview all the way through to the final offer Other clients are a little more hands off where they have a a dedicated team that likes to handle a lot of that. So, um, you know, we help out as necessary if someone needs a nudge or something like that. But, you know, it just depends on the client, but we, we can be as involved or uninvolved all the way through from the first interview to the offer as they like.
1: Have you ever made suggestions to the client so that they appear more appealing? Have you ever uncovered some cool technologies that they're working with that they haven't been forthright about Or just something really great about their culture that they haven't been talking about, so that way overall the job just sounds more exciting.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. Like oftentimes we'll have them uh, even pitch it to us because, you know, the more that they can share about, uh, and that's one of the questions I ask. Like, why would engineers want to work here? You know, what, what do you guys tell them? Like, it's it's one thing to kind of get into the statistics of the company, but. To, uh, to hear the pitch like what's what's the value what's going to get them to jump out of bed to come to work for your company like we want to know that so we can relay that and, um, and and I will say you know we don't we are somewhat selective you know we don't recruit for every company that that's that's another thing because we, we have always kind of looked at this through the lens of, of software engineer in general where you know if a company just doesn't maybe tend to match up with the values that you know the Ruby community, typically stands behind or you know, just the kind of folks that we know, have known the Ruby community to be, we might not recruit for that company, quite frankly. Um, so it, it, they've got to have a good value behind what they do. I think almost any time a company has a great mission behind what they do, there's some sort of philanthropic or humanitarian effort that makes the world a better place. I love those companies and the Ruby community loves those companies. So um, we always strive to work with them when we can. Um, but you're right. Yeah, if there's, uh, if there's anything cool or unique about that company, we will call that out and, and sort of dive deeper there because those are great hooks to get people's attention and, and, frankly, just great reasons to want to work at those companies. So every now and again, a company might glaze over something that is more important than they realize, and we'll point that out to them uh, so that you know, we can do our best possible job recruiting for them.
1: That's fantastic. And I already knew that I love the Ruby community, but just hearing that philanthropic opportunities make uh, Ruby's come faster makes me even happier. Now, Brian, I'd love for you to take me through the developer side.
0: Absolutely. So the developer side, um, you know, again, it's it's the sort of me and you interaction like we're having right here. Uh, you know, that that one-on-one I really value so much. In some ways, you know, it can almost, it can almost seem like a little bit of like a... Uh, like a, like a therapist role, so to speak, because you know, you'll, you'll sit down with an engineer and it's amazing. You know, sometimes they really will want to, someone will really want to change jobs for uh, you know, it could be a fairly serious reason. Like they, you know, maybe this is a, like coworker. They really just, uh, they can't stand to work alongside that person that they, they need to change. And, uh, or maybe it's a lot lighter and that's great too, but it can really run the spectrum of reasons that people, Want to make the move, and that's always the first question I ask, because it's always kind of gets to the heart of the issue, which is, you know, what's driving you looking for a new job. And sometimes it can just be curiosity, and that's great. And we have plenty of those calls too. Um, and sometimes I will say it can take a couple times of me asking the question before we really get to what is driving you looking for something new. Um, and some of those answers are basic. You know, uh, the, they just kind of feel like the company's running out of funding, or uh, there's been changes in management or, you know, they're just not as excited about the product. And and sometimes it can get even more details than that. So that is the key. I feel like in order for us to kind of fix the problem for them about finding a new job, we need to know what the problem is. Um, and everyone's very forthcoming about it. It's just sometimes it takes a little longer than others to to get to what that is. Um, but once we, we have that, it's super helpful because if someone says something like, you know, I just, I, I'm, I'm kind of tired of working on these microsites or, you know, we, all we do is kind of we're serving ads and I, I want to do something more fulfilling. Like that's, that's a key word. I'll hear that. And it's like, boom, I, you know, I immediately can kind of think of three, four companies maybe that are, are going to kind of get them to where they want to be and feel more fulfilled. So we'll have those talks. We'll obviously get into uh technical discussion, you know, especially these days where, the, the whole idea of the full stack engineers kinda going the way of the dinosaur, you know, someone might say, um, I'm I'm definitely more front end leaning or I'm definitely more back end leaning. I, I want to get deeper technically as we can to kind of find out where, you know, what the right type of role is going to look like. And um, yeah, you know, once once we sort of have that discussion technically, we kind of find out if there are any uh, verticals that really make sense, you know, any passions that they might have or interests they might have we take all of that and you know that's going to spark some ideas for me immediately or down the road so i we take copious notes uh, we categorize every developer in our database has a lot of tags it's kind of interesting if if you ever to truly you know get a look at our database it's uh, it's pretty cool like everyone's got a lot of different tags uh, some are very specific uh, you know some things are personal uh, some things are you know more professional but we kind of track it all because all kinds of different companies and people uh, come across my desk and you know when we can sort of quickly run into our database and, and match certain people up with certain industries or certain passions you know it could be something as simple as you hear someone's really into biking you know and they just they love they love cycling They they do it every weekend like something as simple as that um, you know, we take note of because it's just amazing how the next fitness company comes along or there is a company that has to do with biking, or you name it, and um, you know we can we can provide a lot of value to the engineer because whether we have that job now or we have it two months from now, we're going to take all those notes, we're going to tag everyone accurately, and then you know the, that right role is going to surface. We're going to get it over to that person.
1: Thank you for explaining all that. I feel like I have a really good picture as to how it all works. So, have you ever seen a benefit that a company has offered that absolutely really hit home with developers?
0: Ooh, interesting. Um, well, there's a couple sort of off the top that are just uh, like always interesting. You know, if the if the company provides the ability to work remotely, that's definitely gonna get someone's attention. Um, let me think, over the years I've had, uh, I guess I have had a couple interesting ones. One, you know what, actually one that uh, there was a company out of Seattle that offered pet insurance. And at first glance, I remember thinking like, oh, that's unique. I haven't seen any other companies offer that. This was several years ago. Um, ironically, it was probably the most talked about perk uh, of any company I had in the benefits section. And I guess, you know, I'm not a dog owner myself, but uh, I've just heard that those vet bills add up. And so many people were like taken by that. They, and it's funny because it's not like incredibly, I guess, unique, but um, I haven't had a lot of companies offer it. And the first time that that happened, it really stood out. And, you know, they might have a dog-friendly office, something like that. That's another one. But um, having- Can I just
1: tell you, um, (laughs) you can't see the smile on my face, but um, I have a nine-year-old chocolate Labrador. And regardless of whether or not I was in between jobs or moving or whatnot, I will tell you that George has always had insurance, whether or not I've had insurance or not. And that pet insurance is expensive, so that is a fabulous perk and probably one of the best ones I've ever heard.
0: Oh, we'll see. There you go. Okay, that's so that, a home
1: run right there.
0: <laughs> I, I, like, I like it. I just remember how many heads that did turn, and everyone would say, "Wait, they offer pet insurance?" I said, "Yeah." So, I don't know. Maybe there's some listeners out there, you know, some uh, some owners of companies that might you know want to throw that into the mix because it, it works.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. So, on the flip side, have you seen an instance where a developer did something really clever to land the job that they really wanted?
0: You know, I'm not sure if it's clever, but it is a very effective uh, method, and and it's something that I've advocated for years now, and it's going to sound so simple, but it is rarely done, and it's asking for the job, and asking for the job is unique because what happens is at the end of the interview process, which, you know, typically might take three, four weeks, five weeks even to go from very first phone call to final interview to, that that moment when you're wondering, am I going to get an offer? I thought it went well. I hope they thought it went well. And oftentimes after the final interview, I'll have developers say, "Well, have you heard anything?" And you know, I, I might not have. And um, I'll say, "Yeah, you know, you know what? Not yet. But you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to check in. I'm going to get some feedback. Okay, okay, that sounds good." And then maybe the next day comes, and for whatever reason, we haven't got it yet. And uh, so a lot of developers are like very content to after they cross that finish line of the final interview, even when they think it went well, to just kind of sit back and wait. And one thing I've advised a lot of engineers recently to do is if, if you're sure this is the right company and you've got a good vibe, don't be afraid to sort of profess your love for them first and and ask for the job. And I just had this happen last week, it happens to be our sort of most recently um, you know, placed engineer who, you know, who we had a hand in, in helping. And he, he said, he said, you know what? I, I really like the company. It was, it seemed like a home run. It was, you know, a, just a great match from start to finish. I really want to work there. I said, you want to know what you should tell them that to follow up, let's not s- sort of sit back, wait for them to come to a decision. Let's tell them now that you want to work there. He wrote the best email, uh, really sort of going overboard. Um, to the point of saying, you know, if if you guys will have me, I will not let you down. I am going to pour my soul into this job. I really believe in the company. I've loved everyone I met with. If you'll have me, I will not disappoint you. And he got the job offer the next day. And That's
1: I, amazing. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. And, and doesn't it in some ways seem so simple? Like, yeah, why wouldn't you do that? But I would say 90% of folks don't ask for the job. And in my day to day, sometimes it can get so busy for me too. You know, I I may laugh and forget to tell someone to ask for it. But as soon as I kind of hear that genuine, yes, I really like this company. I really hope it works out. I've been advising it so much in recent years and much more often than not, it's a great outcome at the end of it.
1: I love that. I love the tenacity in it. And I love that the company knows that this is a sure bet. But I'm curious from the other side on the company. Since you can see that side, what does take that time? What, why is there a waiting period after that final? Is it hold up at HR? Like, what tends to be the issue?
0: Yeah, it. Uh, oftentimes, it can be the collection of feedback. So, like, all the interviewers interviewers will need to get together and sort of compare notes. Um, you know, at some companies, it needs to be a unanimous decision where everyone gives the thumbs up. Some companies, there can be shades of gray there. Um, the HR, if it's a larger company, that can be a little bit of a hang up, just really getting the approvals for the offer. Um, And and things move quick, you know, every day really truly matters, you know, when you're hiring and and this kind of goes back to the, uh, the client side, you know, I will say every day really matters. So, you know, when a client comes to the conclusion that yes, this person is a great fit. The need for speed is uh, is just is so apparent because you know one more day goes by. I, I had someone the other day. This is an interesting side note. I had someone the other day, and this all worked out for the best. But it was very interesting, and this is a, a great side note of how quickly things can sort of go in a different direction. Um, the developer finishes interview, said, "I love the company. I really want this to work out." He said, uh, "You know what? I have." He told me. He says, "I have a friend in the same industry." and I wanted to pick his brain just to get sort of a backdoor reference, make sure the company is reputable and that everything I'm feeling makes sense. And he called a friend of his, or it was kind of an acquaintance, I guess, who's in the same industry and and he vouched and he said, absolutely, I know that company you're interviewing with, Uh, but I didn't know you were looking for a job. So if you are, he's like, I'd love for you to chat with our VP of engineering. If you still have a day or two here, maybe we can put something together quickly. And it was funny because, you know, I have, certainly have a responsibility to go back to my client to say, hey, he, he kind of wanted to do the backdoor reference just to make sure that, uh, you know, everything he was feeling about you guys uh, was valid. And you know, the company said, yes, that you guys are a great company. But they also said, now that we know you're looking for a job, we want to talk to you. So it's a great example of how quickly in one day, you know, you could be at that finish line. And then one person hears one thing, and you know they want to hire that engineer. So there's definitely that need for speed on the client side. To you know, if you get to that final interview, definitely be able to make that decision quickly and get that offer letter out quickly. It, it matters so greatly. Um, but yeah, from the developer side, ask for the job. It really matters, and you know it can help speed things up as well.
1: I think that's such good feedback, and. I'm curious. Uh, I'm going to take a guess as to which way you're going to go with this, but if you, as a developer, are mo- interviewing for multiple jobs, do you believe that you should be truthful about that with each of the companies, or can that be seen as deceptive?
0: Uh, no, uh, 100% transparency is the only way to go. I, 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 you know, when I first started Mirror back in 2006, um, it, it, it was one of those deals where we said, "You want to know what? You know, maybe." A situation like that where you know a developer is uh, interviewing multiple companies i guess it's kind of his his own business but or, or her own business but um when you get to the end of the interview th- this, is, this is where i get so many questions from developers when you get to the end of the interview cycle if all of your final interviews don't all match up you find yourself in this really weird state of you know needing a couple extra days after someone gives you an offer and you're stuck saying, oh, I really like this company, but I can't quite say yes yet because I went through this whole process with other company. I'd like to see what they offer, which is, which totally makes sense. The b- very best thing to do is be 100% honest that you are talking to multiple companies, um, right from the beginning, you know, or, or at whatever point it makes sense to reveal that, um, you definitely, honesty is always the best policy when it comes to that. Because a trend I have seen, and I love this because it's sort of reciprocated by the companies, is that if you do tell them that you are interviewing with one or two others, and I think they're going to make offers, if you're upfront about that, companies love it because you're being honest, and they also will reciprocate by saying, you want to know what, we're not going to put like an artificial timestamp or deadline to make a decision on our offer because we want you to choose us. We want you to make the best choice for you. And if that means giving you a few extra days to see through a different opportunity, we want you to do that. We don't want you to feel like we forced you to pick us and didn't let you see that last one through. We don't want that sort of hanging in the back of your your mind, you know, what would that have been? We want you to come in with a very clear conscience, and we want you to essentially choose the best company that's the best fit for you. And so many of my clients do that now And I know developers really, really appreciate that because it sort of removes any artificial deadlines, having to make decisions. You know, this offer is going to explode in two days. You need to make a decision that that can be tough. And I I just feel like it's such a mature stance from some of my very best clients. And I, and I've seen it multiple times now where they afford you that ability to, uh, to make the best choice. So 100% be upfront. Be honest, if you're talking to multiple companies, I, what you're gonna find is that the companies themselves will embrace the fe- embrace that honesty. And oftentimes, at least for my clients, uh, I, I've seen them sort of reciprocate that and give you the opportunity to make the best
1: choice. Honesty is the best policy. So the last question that I want to ask you around recruiting is around of a little bit of a sensitive subject, and that's money. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, especially an important question for people in underrepresented groups, or should they be juniors, or just getting into the early part of their career. But I'd like to hear this assurance. Have you ever seen a company immediately end negotiations with the developer because the developer, quote unquote, asked for too much?
0: No. and I. But I will say this. I have the money conversation with every engineer up front and I've noticed people being very transparent about this more and more as time goes on as well. And I really appreciate that as well. I, I think, I mean, who knows, I, you know, when I was first started, I, maybe I asked the wrong way or something like that, but uh, people were a little more close to the vest about salary. But um, I, I do feel like people feel much more comfortable these days, you know, being very upfront about it. And, and I, I return that favor too. And, and I am, I am fully upfront. Uh, in terms of like the budgets of my clients. And, and I say, look, we're not trying to, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that the developer gets the the salary and compensation that they deserve and and that they are looking for. So if they're looking for a little bit of a bump, we want them to get that, of course, and you know, we will help them maximize that at any of our clients. Now, we also have the responsibility to our client to make sure that any developer we send them is going to be within their budget, and at the end of the day, we really want to make sure that we we do right by both, so that uh, any engineer lands an offer that is uh, affordable for for the client, and the client feels that they're worth that salary, and that uh, is a nice bump for the for the engineer. And you know, it's it can sometimes be tricky to be on both sides of that, but again, I think if you're honest and upfront about it. Um, it always works out. It, it really always does. And, uh, but I do like to sort of set the expectation with any engineer I talk to about salary up front, because there are times now and again where, you know, an engineer, a Rails engineer, really any engineer can can say, "Hey, you know, I have a friend that works at Facebook that's making this. What if we ask for this?" And I said, "We can't do that <laughs> because <laughs> because that's Facebook or that's Google." And there's you know a handful of companies out there that. Uh, really can comp, uh, compensate on a, at a level that is just you know in the stratosphere, and that's great. And you know if one of those companies happen to be my client, I would absolutely want you to, to land a job there. But um, we will rein engineers in a little bit if if someone asks for something that just seems like it could be a, a deal breaker out of the gate, or or just rub the company the wrong way. Um, we we don't want that to happen, so we'll we'll advise anyone you know what the ranges look like um, but we'll always do so with their 100% obviously best interest in mind you know we will again maximize it as best we can compensation wise but but not at the risk of them missing out on their dream job you know that happens all the time you know a developer will tell us they'll say hey you know i i definitely want to make above x but if this company checks every single box and you think x is too much please tell me because you know i don't want to risk missing this opportunity because this is kind of place I really want to work. So we will navigate that always in the best interest of the developer to make sure that they don't overshoot anything, but we don't want them to sell themselves short either. So we really just always kind of land somewhere in the middle there that's going to make both sides happy.
1: And that's the beauty of working with you because you can see it from both sides. So Brian, what are your thoughts on the Ruby and Rails community's future?
0: Yeah, you know, since last we spoke and, uh, you know, and I've listened to some of your uh, previous guests too. Uh, it's, you know, from my perspective, nothing's really changed. You know, things seem very strong. You know, I will say, um, you know, if there's anything, maybe in the past three months we've seen, or even longer than that, you know, as I've talked to some clients is that, um, you know, there's so many legacy rails apps out there that, you know, I just can't foresee, uh. You know anything other than a lot of work just main going to be maintained and, and going to continue to be out there for a lot of engineers um so that all seems to be going strong i am still super busy you know helping rail shops that are very rails focused hire. you know there's still a lot of hiring going on and, and you know jonathan and myself or you know we're just we're constantly at work you know trying to fill these ruby jobs and um You know, I will say of the new clients we were talking to, maybe in the past year or so, if there has been one trend that again, we're just keeping an eye on it's that a lot of newer companies that are really greenfield and and that's the key that they're, they're ready to start building and they don't have a code base yet, but they've got funding behind them. A lot of them have taken more of a best tool for the job mentality. And what they've told me is that if that's rails, it's going to be rails. You know if it's Python if it's go if something else like they're open to all of that but um, you know if there's one I guess trend I've seen is that uh, a lot of new startups are very willing they'll talk to me because they'll say hey you know we, we were referred to you um, as being a great sort of rails and JavaScript recruiting shop um, and yeah, if you have a great rails engineer that's and rails make sense for us that's what we're gonna go with um, but if there's a different tool that might allow us to do the job better, you know, we might want to go with that. So a lot of times they'll ask us to find an engineer who is um, the term I use sometimes is raw athlete, you know, someone who's just, you know, get a a great breadth of experience, maybe in uh, various languages and frameworks. Um, But a lot of times it does come back to rails just because, uh, you know, rails is just fills with, you know, certain type of engineer, a real kind of go getter engineer, and it's, uh, it's still the fastest oftentimes solution for the uh, for the job, you know, if something's maybe more data heavy, maybe it's gonna, maybe they're gonna break it into microservices, maybe it's gonna be even more Python elements in there. Um, but yeah, from our from my desk, I, I really am happy to say that it's very strong. You know, The community is still thriving. There's a, a ton of jobs that we're working on both uh, on site roles and remote roles. I think I mentioned last time that remote has picked up a little bit. And I'm hoping that's a, a growing trend because it's making a lot of engineers very happy to be able to, uh, you know, get their hands on, on remote work. And we're seeing more of it. And it, it is Rails-focused. Um, and a lot of the roles are back-end focused. You know, we have some standalone front-end roles, too. But uh, as we've spoken about before, you know, if you've got really good standalone back-end Rails chops, they're still very much in demand with my clients.
1: That's great. Thank you so much for coming back, Brian, and offering so much great advice. How can listeners reach out to you?
0: Yeah, well, thank you again for having me uh, back on. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, we're we're highly listened to in 2020 as well. We'll see. We'll see where we rank. But uh, yeah, we can always visit mirrorplacement.com. My email is brian b r i a n at mirrorplacement.com. Um, so that's always the best way. I think an email would be great. And uh, yeah, hopefully, we hear. F- you know, last time when I was on, it was great because there were a lot of uh, old faces, old names, just people that I've connected with in the past who said, hey, I heard you on the Rails podcast. I couldn't believe it was you. I wanted to reach back out. That was awesome. And then a lot of new folks, just people that we hadn't met before and hadn't interacted with that just kind of came to us out of the blue. So thank you so much for, again, the ability to be here. And thanks to all the listeners out there for for following up and getting in touch. We uh, we really appreciate it. And, you know, every, every interaction. Every phone call, every email, you know, we just really appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. It's great to have you. And listeners, I'm thinking about having Brian back in probably a couple of months to maybe do a and a So stay tuned for that. And I'll talk to you next week.